Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's T. Frank. One of the things that I've noticed this week is just a, a rush of reactions to Penn State defeating Auburn from a, a local and a national level and people wanting to know what to take and what to make sense out of that game. Now, we've got a three-game sample size. We're about to wrap up the first month of the season this upcoming weekend against Central Michigan, and I have a definitive answer after compiling all the information, looking at all the sources. I have a definitive answer of what Penn State is and isn't coming up on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Thank you for making the BWI Daily Edition a part of your day, whether you're listening on the podcast, where we have just, I think we've almost doubled the number of people that have listened to the show. And it's not like we, we didn't have a lot of people listening before since the beginning of football season. Since Sean Fitz came over, we've had an explosion of people listening to the podcast. So thank you very much. And that's not to mention the army of people that now watch the BWI Daily Edition on YouTube. I love you all. Thank you so much. And you guys are super great participants. And you do have to participate in this uh, endeavor to help us out. Every time I've asked you, hey, can you get the video to 500 likes? Give you an objective. You guys have nailed it every single time. So we're upping it today. I'm just testing the waters here. Can we get to six? Can we get 600 video likes on this video um, and to increase the reality that people know what we're doing here on the show, which is providing you the best Penn State football content on YouTube bar none and the best analysis of Penn State football anywhere. We're getting to that today. And that is the the where we're going to start with Penn State football. What does this 3-0 start mean? What did the win against Auburn mean? What can we take out of that? Uh, and and we're, our jumping off point is going to be conversation with publisher Sean Fitz, who was on the BWI Daily Edition Monday night. And I asked him that question. What do we learn about Penn State? And and here's a part of his answer. But the, <laughs> what you saw was something different than you've seen with Penn State than, over the last couple of years. They went in there and controlled. I mean, I know it was 14, what, 14 to 6 at halftime, but they controlled them. They controlled the tempo. They just absolutely flattened them in the second half. And that's something that we haven't seen since, what, Maryland 59 nothing pit? So that's the important part, that last part. We haven't seen something like that. Going in and taking a good Power 5 team, talent-wise. Kind of on the level of those pit teams we're talking about. Maybe on the level of those Maryland teams he mentioned. And just steamrolling them. Penn State has not done that since, what is that, 2019, 2018? So what we learned and listening to other people talk about Penn State and hearing the way they're speaking about this team, I think it's pretty definitive that Penn State is back. Now, the question is, what does that even mean? What does it mean that Penn State is back? Penn State, does that mean they're, they're national championship contenders? Does that mean they're going to win the Big Ten? Does that mean, what is, what, is, what is it to say that this team is back? And it that's the complicated part is that, that 
they're not any of those things. This is not saying that Penn State is going to be a college football playoff team, but it's saying they're going to be in the conversation at some point this year because that's where Penn State was before the COVID-19 pandemic. This is where they were, the trajectory they were on with James Franklin before everything was derailed over the last two years, a very famous underperforming and crazy situations that you can either justify or not justify. I don't care. We're not having that conversation. What we're saying is that time is now over. And if James Franklin was a frustrating coach to you before that botched big games and he didn't do the right thing, we're back to that situation. So it's it's good news for Penn State fans because this team is capable of winning 10 games, and we'll get into that. But we're also in the situation of all those little things are going to matter now. Uh, because Penn State, with this group of players and the way that they are playing, considering the overall health of the offense and the way they've performed, the overall performance of the defense and where they are from week one to week three in Manny Diaz's scheme. And, and Fitz talked about this on, on Monday. They didn't just, they didn't just win that game. They didn't just get those turnovers. They took those turnovers from Auburn. They got all of those sacks. So a, a really sound team on both sides of the football. And that team has the chance to compete in every single game. Now, of course, they were close and they were competitive in all the games last year. But what we're saying is more of them are going to go their way this year. That I, I'm I'm fairly confident that more of their ga- the games are going to bounce in their favor instead of seven and six. And then it's going to come down once again. Penn State is back to the margin of victory against teams like Michigan and Ohio State and not letting up against Michigan State. Those teams are going to define the season, not a game against Illinois. And let's get into this is this is the situation because it's a precarious place. Penn State is back, but they're early on the timeline, kind of like they were in 2019. I've made those parallels. This is even earlier and I'd say even more precarious because you've got a lot of freshmen, a lot of freshmen that are competing for playing time and are getting playing time. So what we're going to do today is to kind of examine the ceiling of where this team can be. We're going to take a look at those freshmen because the floor, the underpinning of this is obviously short of a quarterback, Sean Clifford, uh, an offensive line that has a couple young players, but for the most part, uh, surrounded by veterans and players that have been in the program a long time. The defense has Adisa Isaac, PJ Mustafer. You know the names we're talking about, Joey Porter Jr. You know all those names, and you know the names of the freshmen, but we're going to dig into those players and how quickly they can get to their best performance that they can in the situation. Because Penn State is rounding into, and this is already the projection from everybody, right? We've already decided they're going to be 5-0 and heading into their bye week. Central Michigan, a struggling Northwestern team that has a very good offensive line. Interested to see that in the future. But from there, a massive three-game series with Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. Two of those at home, one on the road, and playing Michigan in the big house has been the kryptonite of even good James Franklin teams. So how do they handle that three-game meat grinder that they always have on their schedule? A lot of that's going to be determined by the players you're going to meet now, that you've already met some of these players, and we're going to go in waves. There's so many freshmen we have to talk about. We're going in waves. This first wave are the guys that are contributing right now and are defining, at some points, this team so far. 
the three players you're expecting to see, of course, Nick Singleton here in the center of your screen, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, is is the is the program changing talent that they have that's altered the way their offense can perform. Catron Allen with him, and of course on defense, Abdul Carter, who had a breakout game last week. So we're going to talk about Carter here for a second because I think he's a very interesting situation. We kind of know what we're getting with the first two, with Allen and with Singleton, and they're very, very important. Let's just give you the quick Nick Singleton stat, 11.1 yards per carry right now. He's averaging 11 yards a carry. Somebody asked me that after the postgame. I'm like, it's north of 10. It's somewhere really good. That's, that, that figure leads the country among running backs with 15 carries, according to PFF. So if you somebody ripped off an 80-yard run, you throw that one out. Guys that have actually carried the ball enough times through five games to you know, have an actual stat, he leads the country. So that explosiveness is not just good for Penn State. That is good for any team in college football. So he is defining the offense. And we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty about that in just a little bit. But Catron Allen, more subtle skills, but incredibly important ones for consistency and production at that running back position behind Singleton. And Abdul Carter. James Franklin talked about Abdul Carter and the things that make him what he is, which are apparent, right? Like you've watched him play football. Now, you know, he is alien, big, fast and strong, unrealistic for his for his age, that he is all of those things. But he is. And the other things that make him the guy that's producing right now are the mental things. Mature kid, very serious, takes his his you know, career in football very seriously. If you check out the James Franklin press conference that we aired here on YouTube on Tuesday, he went in depth about that. But I want, what I wanted to know is, okay, he played really well last week. Can you bottle that? How do you get that consistency week in and week out without giving him too much? Because he was playing fast because he wasn't thinking. But the, there's so many layers to football how do you keep him playing fast and can he handle more? Yeah, I think he can he can he can handle more, but I think you have to be careful because if if not you get greedy, right? You have a true freshman that's having success, then you start putting more and more on his plate and then he doesn't have the same type of success because again, it's not just learning the defense, it's learning, you know, the offense and and all the adjustments that take place when people trade or shift the tight end or when they motion the back or when they motion the receiver or when they end up in unbalanced or um, FSL, which is formation in the sideline, or some people call it FIB, formation into the boundary, and how that affects your rules. And that's what people are trying to do with motions and shifts and things like that, right? They're trying to give the linebackers and the defense indecision. So for us, we want to continue to you know, help him grow and evolve. Um, but it's always that fine line that you don't, you don't do too much that, you know, now he's thinking more than he's playing. And right now he's playing, playing pretty well. So, um, you know, we'll continue to look at that, but it's just a fine line of how much more we put on his plate. Um, because each week there'll be a new challenge with who we're playing and how much they do offensively. Again, it's the last part that I think is the most interesting because we talked about coming into this game against Auburn. They run a pretty simple system as far as they're dressing it up with the shifts and the motions that James Franklin talked about, moving some of the receivers, changing your rules. If you can get through that part, 
it was pretty predictable as to what they were going to run, what the actual play was going to be. So playing fast against Auburn makes sense to me. But going forward, can you get that against other teams that are going to do different things, that are going to be more challenging, especially post-snap? Giving you one look and then doing something completely different off of that, either breaking tendencies, trick plays, um, or just you know being really good at what they're doing. So those are going to be the defining things for Abdul Carter. I don't think that we're going to get a consistent high level of play where he is making as many impact plays, but how many impact plays per game can you get out of him? Just because this is the realistic expectation that there are going to be struggles for every football player, and there are going to be ups and downs when you see new stuff from uh, an offense. But the larger conversation James Franklin was having there was setting the table for what do you do about getting him on the field more? And and the conversation about moving him to Mike linebacker, switching up the linebacker room in general. Um, I have been in the camp of play fast at will and and get these impact plays. This is the compromise that you made to get him on the field. Don't don't double count what you did or or don't go back on what you did uh, and and move him somewhere else and derail that. And that's what James Franklin is saying. You've got to be careful because you can see what he can handle. And he's a smart kid. You know, I always reference the interview we did with him here on the show. And I won't pretend to know everything about Abdul Carter or his personality, but you get a sense of people, right? And he was a dude on a mission. So he's going to do everything in his power to be ready for these things. But like James Franklin said, you don't want to overload him. So getting him in certain situations, sub packages, and just rotating him with Curtis Jacobs. Uh, Koa Farmer and, and Micah Parsons both played a lot when they were splitting time at that position in, what was it, 2018? So you can do that with Abdul Carter, and he can still be an impact player. Micah Parsons is one of the best players on the team. He was an impact player, and he wasn't technically a starter. We've seen that be successful before. That formula can work. So to me, I guess what I'm saying is it's working. Don't mess with it. Like, don't mess with it too much. Give him some sub package details, maybe on third down, play him on at Mike. And that's kind of a soft introduction to playing the position. And by week five or six, when you need him to be out there running around, making impact plays, he is all, you know, all cylinders are firing full systems go. And he is splitting time and you have no drop off with, with Curtis Jacobs and then into Abdul Carter. So, that's the first part of the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There is a second wave coming of players that have either played a little bit. They've shown some stuff. Maybe the behind players that are starters right now, uh, but are whew, there's there's a bunch of these guys. So we'll get to them here. And we're actually going to start in a really interesting place. We're going to start with Amari Evans. Include. Considering the fact that Drew Aller, a five-star quarterback, is a part of this second wave, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but the situation you have with Amari Evans, I find very intriguing. But here are the players that we're talking about. Zane Durant has been playing in every game. Denied Dennis Sutton has been playing in every game. These guys more so in, in mop-up duty. Same with K.J. Winston. 
and then Amari Evans and Drew Aller. Obviously, Aller got to play early against Ohio, but has been in key situations in uh, at least the first two games and now got some mop-up duty in the third game. But the situation with Evans, I think, is telling about where this team is as a whole. And I'm going to set this up. James Franklin is going to set this up for us again, talking about Amari Evans, his transition from high school quarterback to receiver, and and all the things that go into that. Yeah, another guy, if I remember correctly, was here for spring football, um, you know, which which helps. Uh, he's got some some skills and and talents that that aren't really coachable. Um, you know, God given talents and skills and ability in terms of speed was a guy that we were able to get in camp and get a true evaluation on during the recruiting process and, and did extremely well. Um, and some of those things are, are starting to show up, you know, for him, it's um, has not played a lot of wide receiver in his life. So that development I think was, was really important, but more than anything, it's, it's knowing the system inside and out, understanding defenses, uh, and then being able to get in the weight room to get strong enough to develop the size that he was going to need to, because speed was never going to be, you know, an issue for him. It was all about strength and and you know wide receiver fundamentals and techniques and uh, understanding defenses, strengths, weaknesses, uh, and how we want to attack on those types of things, voids and zones, and how to change and modify routes based on man coverage. So. Okay, so it's everything. <laughs> Go back and, and listen to what he says. Like he's got speech you can't teach, but he's got to learn. Uh, he had to get bigger. He had to learn how to play receiver. He had to learn how to read a defense. He had to learn the intricacies of the position, like the fundamentals of the position. So, other than speed, he's great. And and to me, if you, if he's a part of the rotation, first off, it says something about his progression. I don't want to take it having some fun, but I don't want to take anything away from Amari Evans and, and the transformation he's made since the blue white game, where he talked about voids and zones and how to change routes versus man. He multiple times made mistakes on that during the blue white game. But the fact that he's in the position where he's the first freshman that we're seeing on the field at the receiver position is telling about Evans and the work he's put in the speed he has, which is a real value. You cannot underestimate speed on offensive receiver and then lastly what it says about the rest of the receivers and the rest of the players that they have at the at that position we know parker washington and mitchell tinsley are the top two and we know that they're good but after watching them for three weeks they are not explosively fast i was a little I was expecting a little bit more from mitchell tinsley in that department i thought he'd be a little bit faster uh doesn't necessarily mean he can't win, but one of the problems I've noticed over the first two weeks, especially against Ohio and against uh, Purdue, where you those games were in the deciding point at a certain point with the offense having to throw the football, and Ohio should not get you in press man coverage. They should not be able to lock down your receivers as well as they did. And you can open up a lot of room with route running. That's true. You can open up uh, a lot of room with good play design, but in mano a mano situations and you've got a, a go route, you should beat that guy against Ohio relatively easily if you're a Penn State receiver. And I'd say the same thing about Purdue. 
I didn't think that that secondary is particularly up to the level of which it seemed they were in that game. So speed is an issue if you can't get open. Here's the other thing. Penn State has fast tight ends, but they're fast for tight ends. And if you're playing in a two tight end set and you've got Tinsley and Parker Washington out there, the only speed you have on the field, like difference making speed, is Nick Singleton, a rotational back in this situation that is not out there every single play. So one of the biggest weaknesses to me and one of the defining traits of this season is going to be, do they have enough speed on offense and uh, forbid anything happens to, to Singleton? They're back to where they were last season with not having that game-breaking speed at running back, despite the fact that they'll still be better. Katron Allen and Kevon Lee can still be a good one-two punch, uh, and we're obviously projecting a bad situation here, but the reality is nothing's going to go perfectly, right? You might have to deal with you don't have Singleton for whatever reason, whether he's just on the bench or something happened. You have to have, looking at the full picture, they need more team speed on offense. And if Amari Evans is pushing these guys, it means that Keandre Lambert-Smith and that uh, and Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace, haven't really taken the step that you were hoping for. Malik Mega seems now locked into a special teams role as a gunner. He hasn't really shown anything as a receiver. He has not been a part of this. If Evans is already uh, bumped up ahead of him in the rotation, that's telling you something. So, speed. Those three players, somebody needs to consistently make plays and make people pay for putting you in a one-on-one situation. So that's why we're starting with, with Amari Evans. But the rest of the group, uh, deny Dennis Sutton. Here's another interesting one. Five-star player. He's played quite a bit so far this season in spot duty. A lot of his plays have come against very good against the backup Ohio offensive line. Finally got his first sack of the season against Auburn, but most of what he's done in a general sense has been in uh, mop up duty at the end of the game, getting those good reps uh, in the fourth quarter. Now, this is what James Franklin has to say is that there is more to come from denied in a sudden, uh, um, but we've, we've worked out really well. Um, you know, th- those kids have come here and have been, prepared academically, physically prepared, mentally prepared, and have adjusted well. And I also think the number of kind of big brothers that he has to kind of help with that that process has, has been good too. Um, so I think you'll see his his opportunities, you know, continue to grow as, as the year goes on and, and his success. Um, you know, but he's also another mature kid, uh, physically mature, uh, emotionally mature kid. Uh, he's always been super focused. So the it's time with Denied Dennis Sutton. That is the factor here from what James Franklin is saying. By the way, the, the first part of that was the McDonough to Penn State to pipeline of uh, very quality high school in the region, sending a lot of players to Penn State, Denied Dennis Sutton being the last one, Curtis Jacobs, PJ Mustford, those guys being the standouts that to name off the top of your head. So can he be a part of that defensive line rotation in a real way in about three to four weeks? Because he arrived later on campus than the rest of the early enrollees. Uh, physically and mentally, he's been prepared, but he hasn't been practicing with the team. There's the the in-game live situations, in-practice live situations that you need to get so you can start making those plays and moving up the depth chart. And he's gotten a couple plays in, in real situations against... Uh, Purdue and Auburn 
two power five teams. So it's not to say he hasn't, but he has not made the impact of the other players. You haven't noticed that I did a something the way you have. Obviously, Abdul Carter from his very first play where he got ejected up until where he's forcing a fumble, getting a sack and playing out of his mind against Auburn. So getting him into that rotation and having that three that we've talked about when you have Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson playing so well right now, Penn State's always done their best work when they've had a third guy at that defensive end position. And then the defensive tackle situation, Zane Durant's the next player we're going to take a look at. Both of these players have have played uh, 45 and 56 total snaps. Zane Durant, of course, last weekend against Auburn, it was still a blowout victory, so there's a lot of snaps in that second half to be had in mop-up duty, but was playing important situations early in the game. So getting those guys up to speed, the talent is there at the defensive line because you want players that can win individual matchups up front with this team, especially if you're going to be blitzing and you're going to be putting everyone in those situations to win. You want to be able to choose when you do that, not have to do that. And they still need a little bit more pass rush up front because Chop Robinson has been great. But just like every other situation we've talked about, it's not they're not fully formed yet. And having denied that a sudden coming off the bench or being in a rotation with Adisa Isaac, that can change the reality of you've got just a second wave of pass rushers. Uh, and of course the last one here is uh, drew Aller and what he's able to do, how he's able to do this already. James Franklin says that the game it, it it's, it's, I would say, not to put words in his mouth, he's ahead of schedule based on what he's saying here. You know, I think he's already at a point where the game is is slowed down to him a little bit, where he's able to anticipate uh, what's going to happen from a you know, from a coverage perspective or from a pressure perspective. And he's doing some nice things that that we've been able to build on, and we're going to need to continue to build on. I thought we did a good job of getting all four of those guys reps in the spring. And then early in camp, and now obviously, uh, you know, once once we made the decision to move him to the number two spot, his rep count has obviously increased, which is which is important and valuable. And then obviously him being able to get reps in the first two games for different reasons, but um, has been valuable as well. So still still uh, you know still got a lot of areas, a lot of room for growth, which is exciting. Um, but obviously he's doing some really good things. So let's put this particular conversation in context, and we're saving it as the last conversation here on this show, is what's the ceiling for Drew Aller this year? Because as James Franklin talked about, he's getting more reps, he's getting more comfortable, and if you want if you want the stats here, he's 10 of 14, he's missed four passes for 143 yards in uh, two touchdowns in across three games. His passer rating right now is 143.8. That's really good. If you like PFF, he's got an elite passing grade so far. All of that in context, but he did come in and operate a good drive against Purdue, and he did come in, and he he's looked good every single time he's played. The game, as James Franklin said, is slowing down for him. So in five or six weeks, he's already been called upon once to fill in for Sean Clifford because Clifford had to leave the field. But in five or six weeks or three or four weeks or wherever we are, if the if the offense hits a bumpy stretch in the road and Sean Clifford struggles, do they have a backup quarterback that can come in and play? I'm not saying Sean Clifford deserves to be the starter of this team. He has navigated them to a 3-0 start despite some of the struggles early in the season. The offense is playing really well. He's getting them in good situations. 
Um, but with the Sean Clifford experience, you never really know what's coming up next. And the game script has played out perfectly. If it doesn't, what is, again, what's the ceiling here? Is this going to at any point be a situation where there's a, there's a true decision to make for James Franklin? Now, Sean Clifford can go out and make it so there's no decision. There's a 6-0 team. They're playing well on offense, and none of that matters. And I think that's the reality here. But the fact that Drew Aller is making this conversation happen, I think is, first off, a credit to him. And secondly, shows just how much uh, upside potential and is in store for Penn State football if he's at this point in his career. We don't know what we don't know. I always say that. We always say we don't know what we don't know when it comes to these guys. But uh, we'd love to find out. <laughs> and we'll find out this weekend. We'll get more information again of, of Drew Aller against Central Michigan and maybe even a little bit against Northwestern. We'll see. And the last guy I shouldn't forget is KJ Winston, who has been in mop-up duty, has not been a factor, but is an incredibly smart player, physically talented, and has been, from what I've heard, pushing behind the scenes is, you know, another freshman at safety. And that's the thing is, I don't know how they're going to get him on the field at safety. How are you going to get him? Is Manny Diaz going to play nine safeties on the field? Maybe. Maybe we see that defense someday. And then the final wave, and I know we said Drew Aller was last conversation, but this is the final wave of players that can be a part of the conversation. Cam Miller played a decent number of snaps against Auburn. And James Franklin said there were some guys he wanted to save uh, and they didn't want to play against Auburn. And Cam Miller played against Auburn. So that is something that's telling. And then Tyrese Mills and Caden Saunders. Tyrese Mills has the physical ability. He is a guy that we targeted early as a Juco transfer that can contribute but we haven't seen anything of him yet. Don't know what the situation is there exactly, but that's just a name to keep an eye on for midway through the season. If whatever's happening resolves, if he is able to latch on and, you know, make some strides. And then finally going back to our speed conversation, Caden Saunders could provide you difference making speed, especially from the slot. Can he at some point make that push? And I think that the door is open at receiver. So it's not really a question of yes or no. It's a question of, can he, and will he? And of course, like we're not even considering the second year players that uh, that are making a big impact on this team. So Penn State, a very young team that will be defined by how well this class plays from top to bottom. So that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Coming up tomorrow, we will have our preview of Central Michigan with Nate Bauer and Sean Fitz on the BWI Daily. Subscribe, all the things. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.